Hello and welcome. My name is Joe Frost, here with my co-host Peter Linus. This is Being Human. Hey, it's great Hi. to meet you. Hi. It's just the two of us this time. This has been a while. Yes. Why do we not have a guest? I want a guest. <laughs> It's because today, if you're listening to when this podcast drops, uh, it's a very special day. Why is it a very special day, Peter? It's my birthday. No, no it's, it's not. not my birthday. Why is it a special day? Oh, we are launching our book. Ah, the Being it's Human real. book is real. It exists. There are 400 copies sitting behind me. <laughs> nice. Congratulations, bookseller. 389 copies sitting behind me. Well done. <laughs> advanced copies going out um we are launching being human a new lens for a cultural conversations um today available on all good publishing platforms um and we want to take this opportunity to chat to you guys about what we've done and why we've done it sounds fun yes absolutely um but we are making a little break We've been having another guest interview season, um, chatting through some of the things that we explore in the book and bringing in uh, thinkers, practitioners, leaders, a variety of different voices to come and chat about their experiences and their insights in what does it mean to be human. Uh, Highlights so far, who have you enjoyed catching up with, Peter? Oh, that's such a tricky question. As soon as you name somebody, you have to not name somebody else. So I'll just name them all. <laughs> uh, oh, look, standout was Tim Mackey. Apart from so the episodes, good. it was just you and I, obviously. obviously. But no, Tim Mackey, uh, it just was gold. It was amazing. His, It's just his love of Jesus, his passion for people and the passion for God's word came through. Mm. He was everything you hope. I mean, I think we both thought this is a guest we'd love to have. We were so stoked when he said yes. And then sometimes you meet, there's not quite a hero, but somebody you kind of admire his work from afar. You're like, will they live up to what I think they are? And he did. He's just so lovely, so gracious, so generous with his time. Um, and his deep love of all things Jesus and Bible came shining through. Yeah. yeah so yeah, sure. yeah, that was, yeah. So uh, what was your favorite? Sorry. Um, so Tim Aki was absolutely nope, up there. taken, taken. <sighs> <laughs> um, I thought Rachel Gardner was brilliant, how she looks specifically at young people, but actually how they're just an example of our, all of us and our humanity, especially around connection. How do we connect with each other? How do we build relationships? What's going on when we put digital spaces in between us? And how does that affect us? I thought she was brilliant. Um, but I've also... Yeah, chatting to Diane Langberg, chatting to um, Chris Watkin, chatting to Damalola and her experiences, like so many different stories, so many different perspectives. And yet, time and again, we're hearing really similar themes that obviously you and I have been slightly obsessed about over the last few years. Um, But again, they are they find such parallel in other people's stories and other people's worlds. So it's really exciting. Yeah, no, it does. It turns out that lots of people are thinking about what does it mean to be human in various ways, uh, which is really encouraging. And uh, as you say, it was great that people who were stretching our thinking and get us going kind of biblically, historically deep thinking, like pulling and making us like really work. And then there were people who were just absolutely rooting it down and saying, this is what it means for every day. This is how it impacts their lives and our lives and really challenging us with the practices and habits that we need to 
to be building into our lives. So good. So good. So um, one of the things we haven't done that much, I mean, we've hinted at it for sure, but we haven't really dug into the foundation of the conversations that we've been having. Um, We haven't dug deeper. So if you've been listening to this podcast and enjoyed some of these conversations, today is your opportunity to go a little deeper and see behind the scenes, I suppose, as it were, um, why we have been doing this podcast for so long, why we started the Being Human Project, uh, why we've written this book. We've drip fed it, I feel, over Mm. the last few years, telling people little hints and little stories, but we've never really sat down and gone, what is the big why? Um, And I think that's really what we'd love to do today, isn't it? It is like, you know, we love that question. What does it mean to be human? And you know, I often like to think of where people are listening to this and wherever you are. What would, if you had to pause for a second and think, how would I actually answer that question? What would you say on Twitter? What would you say to the person sitting beside you on the tube, wherever you might be? Like, what does it actually mean? And so, as you say, we're unpacking that. I love uh, Simon Sinek, who did a TED Talk mm-hmm. and then wrote a book, Start With Why. So we're going to do that. Why, how, what that he says. Start with the why right at center. Like, why are we running this project? Why are we writing this book? How did all the bits come about? And then finally, some of the what's, like, what are the things you can expect from us? So why, why, why? Straight to you. Like, why, what, why, why being human, Joe? What drew you to this conversation? Or as we like to say to our guests when we are interviewing people, like, tell us a little of your story. Nice. I think, I think without realizing it, I have always been asking this question. I mean, my background's in philosophy, so I've always been Uh, attracted to the impossible questions and the big meaning of life questions. But I also think that, well, I became a Christian at 19. And in my experience, people who give their lives to Jesus later on um, often experience quite a transformative moment um, when there is a distinct before and after and Jesus is is the turning point. He changed my life and he radically altered what I thought it meant to be me, what it meant to live in this world, how I wanted to operate in this world. He transformed me. And again, like a lot of people who who come to faith as an adult, I was also therefore absolutely convinced that everybody I met needed to know what Jesus did and how he could transform their lives too. And so I suppose you would give me the title of evangelist. I wanted to share this good news of who Jesus is and the life that he offers us um, in relationship with him. But as I got older and as I invested more time in the church, but also beyond it, I started to see that we actually really struggle to tell people what is so good about the good news of Jesus. And we also have quite a poor story of what this amazingly abundant life with Jesus can look like. We can make it really quite small. And I would get increasingly frustrated that I didn't have the language to talk to my friends about Jesus and the impact that he could have in their lives. I got frustrated that the gospel that I was sharing seemed either irrelevant or inconsequential to the lives of the people around me, that it was a sort of ticket to heaven when you die and had very little impact on the challenges and struggles that they had in their lives, or that it was a really costly thing, that they didn't quite understand why they were being asked to make these sacrifices when there seemed very little in return. And so this 
this idea that Jesus can change lives, Jesus invites us into a life worth living, and that as Christians we have a story to tell, had been something that I have been wrestling with for years. And I think once we started talking and we started looking at why Christians struggle to answer some of the big cultural conversations, why we struggle to answer some of the big life questions, why we struggle to articulate the gospel, it all seemed to come back to this question of what does it mean to be human and what is the vision of humanity that Jesus invites us into? And so that really has been the thing that's been driving me for a long, long time, but really started to be honed as we started working together. Yeah, and I think one of the things that was interesting for us was to arrive at pretty much a very similar point, maybe not the same, very similar point, but from very different directions and very different kind of stories into it. Um, and part of my work with the Evangelical Alliance was on some of those hot button issues that were out there, sexuality and gender, artificial intelligence, the beginning and end of life around abortion and euthanasia and to be invited into conversations often in the press and the media about that. And right at the heart of those is always this question of what does it mean to be human? It's like mm -hmm. a fundamental part of engaging with any one of those topics. But often felt like we were being drawn to the kind of end point of the conversation, the very kind of often toxic and contested part of the conversation. And we wanted to step back. So I was asked to write or be involved in a resource transformed, which was looking particularly at the kind of gender conversation. Um, and and in doing that, it was like a framework was coming together as we looked at what the cultural stories were saying around that, what the God story was saying. Um, and then as we wanted to take seriously what the biblical text said, and people were like, oh, it's like, it's like you have an underlying framework for this. And yet we haven't always articulated what it is, both me personally, but actually EA as well. We were coming along and people were saying, oh, what's what's your framework? And and it was like there was this grid going on at this intersection point between what the cultural story is saying, what the God story was saying. And at the heart of that, um, I always looked to Jesus in those conversations. who always found himself at the heart of the public square um, and always found himself interacting. Like His conversations are at the marketplace. He's always using workplace illustrations. We find him again and again and again in these public settings, storytelling and engaging people. Um, and one of many characters in the Bible, like another one of my favorite characters, Daniel, again, always finding himself at that intersection point between what the culture is saying and what the God story is saying. So for me, this was like the underlying question behind so many of those hot topic issues that people get nervous about. People also get into really heated conversations about. And it was, how do we do the step back? How do we have confidence? Um, how do we engage well with this? And we wanted to be part of EA's larger work as well as an organization as Evangelical Ants. We were engaging with this but saying, here's the way to frame it, the being human conversation. What does it mean to be human? And that takes us to the cultural arrow point of the conversation, but it absolutely brings with us what does it mean to be made in the image of God and to be fully and truly human in this cultural moment. Mm -hmm. So true, isn't it? And I think that's really been the gift of this project for you and I, is at no point would you not want to share the good news of Jesus and be missional and uh, out there sharing who Jesus is and what he means. And at no point do I want to sit back and let cultural conversations and the public square happen beyond me, because I think that Christianity and faith and our voices all have legitimacy and importance to come into those spaces. We share each other's passions, even if we may sometimes be a bit quieter than the other in those spaces. But the bringing of those two things together in this fusing question, what does it mean to be human? How is our culture 
uh, inviting us to answer that question and live a human life? And how does the God story and specifically the invitation of Jesus answer that question and invite us into a human life? Where's the where's the compliment? Where do they marry and match? But also where's the disconnect? Where does actually the God story invite us into something that's good, that's true, that's beautiful, even if it's costly, even if it's countercultural, um, there is something better out there because of who Jesus is and what he invites us into. Totally. Totally, yeah. So, so I think it's like that go and make disciples point is so critical to both of us. Like that is the missional edge and that is the discipleship edge. And that's where this comes together. It comes together. Like if at the boldest, I think we were both like this is like a new apologetic, a new way of engaging. People are asking a different set of questions. And rather than being afraid, rather than kind of receding or being unduly nervous or thinking we've got nothing to say, it's like actually this is an incredible place to be having a conversation. What I mean. If somebody presented a range of potential topics, you're like, well, one of them is, what does it mean to be human? Awesome. Right from the word go, the Bible has something to say about that. Right from the incarnational moment, Jesus is the incarnated God made flesh. You're like, wow, what an awesome place to start the conversation. And that's what gets us, I think, excited. So we've been doing this for, goodness me, like four years now? A million years. No, <laughs> just four years. COVID yeah. was a definite kind of whatever bumping the road, <laughs> trying to navigate COVID lockdowns. Yes. So if we're moving from our personal why and even a little bit the wider EA question, why is the Evangelical Alliance dedicated time and resource to exploring this question? Uh, let's move over to the what. What on earth have we been doing for the last four years and and maybe why have we been doing it? Writing a book? Um, so no. Yeah, no. yeah pretty and much. Because the book is like a kind of tangent in one way much as we love it it's not what we're all about like we thought right okay what does it mean to be human massive question so we looked at i don't know we did these strategic in intent and ideation sessions we were thinking about all the ideas how do we engage with this question how do we come at it in a fresh way how do we do a lot of research as to what people are thinking how do we test some of these ideas how do we kind of roadmap the journey somebody might go on through these conversations um, so we spent like hours in whiteboards and rooms and and these multiple screens and with friends and people helping us kind of be pulling the ideas out of us, then stimulating each other, then feeding off each other. Um, and it was like wonderful and brainstorming and wow, like going back to scratch a little bit and really pulling around a lot of these ideas um, to try and come at the project a little differently than just the classic, okay, right, that's a question, let's answer it straight away. Um, one of the most interesting pieces for me was a piece of persona work that we did. And when I say we, I read most of what you'd helped us think about and do. So part <laughs> of it was just understanding our audience a lot better because mm. we often have one way of communicating. I, As we know, I'm trained as a lawyer. I think everybody should be logical and propositional. I should just read you a set of statements and, and persuade you with this fantastic argument. That's not the way half the people think. Um, there are a weird other half. half of, yeah, there's a weird other bit of the population <laughs> who think differently. And and so, I mean, part of it, and it'd be great to hear you, you did a lot of work around the personas and helped us like understand some of the people who are reaching. So, I mean, that was hugely important, the different ways to engage people around this question. I think it's fascinating. And I think it, of course, a conversation around what does it mean to be human has to recognize that we're not cookie cutter. We're not the same. To be human is to be individual as well as connected. 
And the persona work gave us an opportunity to ask questions around motivation, around understanding, around priorities and values, um, a different way of engaging in the world, of navigating friendships, relationships, faith, what's important with our ethics. It was absolutely brilliant because we're not one size fits all. Um, and we often have a tendency, at least in Christian ministry, to assume that an important topic needs to be dealt with in a certain way. Either we preach on it or we run a small group resource on it or we write a book on it. And so I was quite keen that we didn't just do the assumptions. The worst thing is that there is a very large part of, <laughs> of the audience, that our research shows, that really likes preaching small group resources and books. Yay! So, shocker, <laughs> these are some of the things that we have now produced. Uh, yes, so the book um, is one part that we're talking about today. And uh, Joe, how was the book writing process for you? Do you know what? I, I was convicted about this this morning um, because we've been quite uh, comfortable with saying that write, co-writing a book is quite a hard a hard thing to do um, relationally, task-wise and all the rest of it. It is not halving the workload. I've decided it's tripling the workload. And so we, we're quite good at saying the miracle is that we're still talking to each other and we still like each other, which is, it is a miracle. But actually, I'm really grateful for you. The book could not have been written, I don't think, by either of us. And that has been actually the thing that for me has pulled this through is knowing that actually the putting into practice this idea that being human isn't an I conversation, it's a we conversation has actually been really important. Um, so despite its challenges, I'm very grateful for the process. I'm so flummoxed by you saying something nice, Joe. I don't quite know what to do next. That's the. Um, I was. I, I. I definitely agree. It was a. It was a fascinating process. I had thought double, but you might be right. Triple the work. It certainly doesn't have it as we hoped it might. Um, and uh, but it was. I think it's richer for it is the reality because again we're talking about the different personas, and so we both bring very different perspectives different perspectives to the book uh, and uh, yeah it was it was actually a fun process in the end with hindsight <laughs> if you'd asked me at the wrong <laughs> moment in the middle of it it might have been different um, and one of the things we did was we talked about not only our different lives but our very different houses in the intro yes. as we talked about our cultural stories so um, you live in a house with very substantial we both live in houses with cracks somebody literally so I, I gave a good friend a copy there at the weekend and he was like, oh, I love this opening of cracks and, and houses and you both live in houses with cracks. So I live in houses with small settlement cracks that are fine. You live in house, a house with slightly different cracks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, when something happens in your life and you, if you're a preacher or a teacher or have any kind of speaking ministry, um, you know that when it's terrible, the only line that you can come up with is that it, at least it will make a good sermon illustration. So my house falling down is a brilliant sermon illustration, and I'm delighted Jesus decided to give me such a gift. Um, but yes, basically, um, my house has subsidence. It is collapsing in one corner of its foundations because of an oak tree, an oak tree that um, is now gone. So praise the Lord. Um, mm. <laughs> but it was about 10 metres from my house. 
Um, and uh, in drought, its roots would go deep and it would suck the moisture out of the ground, um, causing the ground beneath my house to collapse and my foundations weren't deep enough or strong enough to withstand the pressure. And what we both found really interesting in this analogy was the fact that my blinds over my kitchen sink are now falling down because the plastic um, clips have moved further away and they haven't got enough tension to hold the blind up. Why would that be caused by an oak tree outside of my house and distant? It's actually often really hard to match the effect with the cause. But we live in a world where we are seeing the effects of um, of uh, shallow or insufficient cultural stories affecting our daily lives every day. We are seeing loneliness. We are seeing mental health crises. We are seeing culture wars. We're seeing polemics in political conversation, so many different crises and conflicts in our world. And we hypothesize that the cause of some of these cracks in our society is because our foundations aren't deep enough or strong enough to hold up a good and full human life. And so that has been some of the things that we have been playing with and some of the storylines that then come out in our in our book yeah and because i'm a much simpler person than you i i decided to use a jenga analogy yeah well it's just because your house isn't falling down and jesus decided to bless you with a simple toy as opposed to a collapsing Yay! house, which my kids play with so yeah we do literally have the jenga blocks and uh, the analogy is sometimes like three different colors and and layers in these jenga blocks and uh, down the bottom we have some of the kind of the secularism like uh about belief in God being up for grabs and the contested nature of that. And then in the middle, we have this layer around individualism and it's all about me and how we're a very highly individualistic culture we live in. And then up the top, we talk about kind of postmodern culture where everything's being deconstructed. You have your truth, Joe, I have my truth and, and never the twain shall meet in the world that we're in. <laughs> as we as we kind of pull the blocks, if you imagine this three layered uh, Jenga tower, you kind of pull the blocks out. And what our culture has been doing is pulling blocks out and then putting them on top of the tower. And, and right at the top, now what you have is this jumble of various colors of blocks and all the weight is at the top. And if you've ever played a game of Jenga, it feels like we're at the moment where everybody's like, it's about to fall over. Don't pull that block. Don't even touch the table. Nobody move. And we're at this moment of kind of like permanent chaos and crisis. And everybody is kind of petrified as to what's going to happen next. And the tower is just really, really unstable and about to fall over. And so we use that in the book to say that's that's where we think we are as a culture. And we, we unpack that, obviously, and explain a lot more and, and think a lot more about that. And we want to take those cultural stories as our way in, as our lens into the conversation, because the subtitle for the book is A New Lens for Our Cultural Conversations, which suggests, Joe, that we have a new lens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think, it, it, again, that idea of we're not seeing particularly well, we're not seeing quite what the world is that we're looking in, and we're not quite seeing what's causing some of the the fragility really of our lives and the way that we're living at the moment and so we were looking for a new tool or a framework and ultimately we we landed on this lens which is 
uh, our ability to see through something in order to perceive ourselves in the world around us. There are four aspects to this human lens, four aspects that make up our humanity. We're not saying that this is the definitive, but we're saying we found it pretty helpful in um, articulating and encapsulating what it means to be human. So, Peter, what we got? Oh, I think it is definitive, definitely. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so it starts with significance. Uh, you matter. So again, uh, what we always try and start was a kind of cultural conversation, like the idea that you matter, that we're significant, that our, these are questions of identity and dignity and equality. Like these are core questions our society asks. Um, and uh, we actually talk about the L'Oreal ad. I think you, you came up with this one, like that classic, if I said, uh, because you're worth it or you're worth it, that is the slogan they've had for such a long time. Uh, and yeah, if you kind of push behind that and say, but so, yeah, absolutely. But on what basis? Like you're using this to sell makeup. You're actually telling us in a sense we're not worth it. We need to add makeup and cosmetics to our appearance. So this is kind of funny irony in that ad. And we kind of pull on that thread. And uh, then we begin to say, look, we there's a little recurring structure. What does culture say? What does the God story have to say? What do we see in Jesus? And then what's the invitation into new humanity? So in significance, we're saying, yeah, you do matter. That's a bridge building point with culture. But I don't think culture can ask, answer the conversation or the question sorry, as to why you matter. And the Bible just declares it to be because we're made in the image of God and we get to build from there. So that's the first aspect of the lens. Then we go to connection to you. Yes, we do. So connection, as you say, we, we kind of paint this uh, refrain around cultural stories, God's story, Jesus, us is that the structure for each part so in connection we explore the idea that in our cultural stories when it comes to our relationships when it comes to justice and even when it comes to our sense of peace actually we tend to be the center of those conversations um we're looking for my relationships my justice um my peace and when you are the center of your world then everyone else has to orbit around you and then people come closer to you or they need to be moved further away because it becomes a protection space. It's an expression space, but it's also a protection, which means that fear and mistrust enter most of our relationships. Um, and that has a really damaging, dehumanizing impact in our uh, in our humanity. Whereas in the God story, the God story says that you are made in the image of a uh, loving and relational God who bravely cares for others. And we don't need to be afraid because we are loved and therefore can love in extension. So our relationships can be reorientated to being generous, to being selfless. Um, and to being loving because we do not need to be afraid and look after ourselves and protect ourselves. We get to live in God, in relationship with God and therefore generous to others around us. Which takes us to presence. Um, being here now matters. Uh, I, I I love this one. I think it's the one sometimes people are like, just, just talk me through that. Like it, um, But it's about bodies. It's about place. It's about time, like the moment that we're in. Um, and so to be human is to be embodied. I think as fascinating conversations, we think about where AI is taking us, as well as some of the, the gender conversations. It matters that I'm 
speaking to you from Northern Ireland beside the sea. I can see it out my window that I speak with a funny accent. All those things. I think you all have funny accents too, so it's fine. And it matters that we're here in this moment, how we're engaging in the conversation, like the cultural stories are different than they were 10 years ago and different than they will be. And so it matters that we show up in this moment, that God came in human form um, as we look towards the incarnation, as we look towards the Jesus who showed up and who presented himself and who invites somebody like Doubting Thomas in, in that moment says, come and feel the, the wounds in my hand, the wounds in my side and the, and the scars in my hand. Like, come and have your doubts like settled for you by physically feeling what's going on in this moment. This is Jesus who uh, is resurrected bodily and who says we will be resurrected bodily. And our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, like our bodies matter. And, and so in this moment, when our culture is asking a deep question about that, it's just I think it's so important that we're wrestling with what it means to be here now. And so we unpack lots of aspects on that in terms of presence and then what it means to be invited into, again, the new humanity and to show up and to carry the presence of Jesus, to be kingdom carriers in this moment. Again, I'll stop because I keep going on about that. So <laughs> that, that, that's the thirds. We've done significance. We have done connection. Uh, we matter to each other. Presence, being here now matters. And the last, last but not least, is participation, Joe. Participation, indeed. And actually, when we were first starting out with being human, it was the as assumed that we would probably start here. This conversation around purpose, around what do we do with our lives, is often where we start when it comes to a being human conversation. Um, and yet, we really deliberately come here last. This is the outworking. The difference that we make in the world matters. Um, but it isn't the source of our significance. It is the outworking of it. So this is where we look about power, about purpose, and about freedom. That what does it mean to be um, capable of affecting the world that we live in, capable of changing the world that we live in, and on whose authority and in what form do we take that power, freedom, uh, and purpose seriously? Is it all on us and we make it up as we go along? Or are we invited into a bigger story where we get to participate, but we don't get to carry the burden of what it means to rule this world in our own image, rather invited to participate in the mission and the activity of God's unfolding history? And he invites us to be ordered in his kingdom, as opposed to the chaotic waters that we often find ourselves in today. Great. So you don't need to get the book now because we've just summarized it in four <laughs> minutes. No, no, no. That was a tease, an attempt to say, look, we unpack so many of those ideas so much more. Um, again, there is that that structure, as we've said, we're trying to pull on a cultural thread like Paul does in, in Acts 17 and Mars Hill, the statue of the unknown God. We're trying to find a story or some stories in our culture and say, here's what it's Here's what it's pulling at. And we believe those ideas are significant. Uh, we've used the analogy of, of a broken mirror where we can find these cracked pieces and you could lift a cracked piece of a mirror and you can see your reflection and but actually the edges are sharp and they cut your hand. And until it's placed back in to the fuller mirror, we can't see the bigger picture. And that's what we need to do. We're not, it's not a cultural war now to present our oh, culture's all bad and we've got this wonderful answer and it's simple. Like a, actually, our culture is deeply influenced by the Christian story. But we need to be careful how it's been kind of altered and changed. And so we want to pull on those threads, connect it into the God story that really fundamentally shapes who we are. We're always signposting towards Jesus, as we said, the true and full human being, and then the invitation into new humanity. But 
It doesn't just end there at the end of each of the four parts. We also look towards practices, Joe, and you really help us shape our habits and practices as well in that. Yeah, I think we we both recognized, didn't we, that stories take us so far, but actually we inhabit our stories and we do stuff based on our narratives but it's also a bit of a feedback loop like what we do then shapes the stories that we think we're living in um and actually therefore to be intentional about the way that we live and the habits that we're forming and the practices that we engage in they help reframe some of the narratives that we may have subconsciously or unwittingly accepted and taken on Uh, the practices, especially the spiritual practices, are our opportunity to say, actually, I want to intentionally choose a different story to help frame me. So we we ask some questions for people to explore. We invite people into some of the spiritual practices that we see um, formed through scripture and through the church history. Um, But we also put into practice some of this. So each chapter starts with a cellar, Uh, which literally means to pause, to stop, to take a breath. And we're inviting people to slow down, even just as they consume this book and the the content within it, to take a breath, to be present in this moment, to recognize what a gift it is to be here and now present to the presence of God and connected to each other. So we, we do a whole load of things with this book. It's only 250 pages. It's an absolute bargain. Um, But hopefully it's there to kick off this conversation. But what it is not, Peter, is it is not the be all and end all. There is more. Uh, What else is there that we've been going on? Seamless, seamless. Um, Yeah, so this is part of a bigger project, um, uh, the Being Human project, a bigger idea. We'd love you to check out uh, beinghumanlens.com. Beinghumanlens.com is our website um, where there's lots of uh, stuff there. So you can find out more about the podcast. We are in season four. Um, so we've had, uh, you know, there's three seasons before this one. If you haven't been listening back, uh, there's some great stuff there to catch up on, both interviews and you and I chatting around some of the cultural stories. We've also got a small group resource that's out. So uh, we worked with Right Now Media on that. That's going to be, uh, is now on our website. You'll get at least the trailer and the intro episode. That's a six-part series where we basically walk through the lens uh, very similar content to the book. So those things work really well together. It's great for a sermon series, for a small group, for just to work through yourselves. And um, that'll be uh, freely available on our website. But Joe's going to tell me what I've said wrong. No, no, you're great. It's also already fully available on Right Now Media platforms. So if you are a member of Right Now, um, you will be able to access all six episodes there. And in the next coming weeks, we will be launching ours with the study guide attached to it. So don't forget to check out Right Now Media, who have partnered with us to create this resource. So you can already access all of it there if you choose to. Yeah, so we'll have articles and videos so you can sign up to and we send things out fortnightly, uh, just like little uh, quick takes on what's going on. Um, you can also kind of reach out to us maybe if you've got gatherings. So Joe's done a lot of work on the personas. That's something we are happy and love to talk about and being human more generally. So you can reach out to us through the website if you want us to come and talk or do something online or do a session. These are some of the things. There's a couple of things we have in in the kind of uh planning stage. Judy, you want to say very quickly what, what might be coming next and then we'll wrap this one up? 
Yes. So whilst lots of people want small group resources, sermon series and a book, not everybody does. Um, so we've been really keen to explore how do people come into this question of what does it mean to be human in different forms? One of the things we've got working on at the moment is specifically arranged aimed at young adults and specifically around people who may not yet necessarily identify as being Christian or identify as Jesus as being part of their lives, but have big questions or life questions. So that's called discovery. It's a kind of worldview, persona, quiz, test define me how human am I uh kind of space and we are just in the prototype phase of that we're really excited that should be coming out next summer and then the summer after which is more of a kind of community design innovation space uh taking some of the principles of google sprints and collaboration and creativity to ask how do we form and inhabit the God story in a in a more corporate and communal space. And so that'll be the design element of our work. Um, all of this is yet to come, um, but it gets us very excited. If you are panicking that we have given you too much information in the last three minutes, um, do not worry. All the links are in your show notes, but also everything is available or hinted at at beinghumanlens.com. But a word to our sponsors, Peter, because all of this comes out of the EA. Yeah, well, so I'm going to say at the end one thing. Can I just say, I really had a moment, I thought it was, if anybody is listening and you love what we're doing, thinking, I'm really into personality profiling and psychometric testing, and I have some experience in that. It might just be you. Well, just reach out to us because we are exploring that right now. I'm yes. just going to put that in there. Uh, yeah. Just on the off chance there's somebody and, and it might be just a divinely ordained little moment there. But we are brought to you by our friends at the Evangelical Alliance and our friends. We are our own friends. I, I was going to say, it's not our um, friends. We are it. We are the Evangelical Alliance. So Being Human is a project of the Evangelical Alliance. Uh, the Evangelical Alliance is the oldest and largest organization sort of evangelical Christians in the UK. We love our members. We're a membership organization. Um, it's the members that give us our voice and, and, and enable us to do what we do. Uh, it's not just about supporting our work. It's the ability to go in, to have some of the conversations and say we actually represent uh, this 3,000 churches, 20,000 individual members, about half a million evangelical Christians throughout the UK. So we would love you to consider going to the EAUK.org website, signing up to become a member from as little as £3 a month, the price of a cup of coffee. And in that you get yes to support the wonderful work that Evangelical Alliance do. I am biased, but that is my view. But also to become part of something bigger and add your voice to a larger conversation. So, And if you did it, and uh, oh, yeah. listed us as your source, in fact, probably even if you didn't, uh, you will get, as a welcome gift, a copy of the Being Human book. So this is a bargain. You should definitely join today. Um, you should. You do we, it online, you click the button and it happens. I know, it's amazing. But genuinely, if you are already a member of the Evangelical Alliance, can we just personally say thank you? Thank you because it is because of your support of the Evangelical Alliance that we have been able to have this project um, greenlit and running and been able to invest in this way. And we do think it's significant and we do think it's worth it. And we could not have done it without your generosity. So thank you. And as we close, if for some crazy reason you don't think you've become a member of the Evangelical Alliance, you can still get the book wherever you get your books from. <laughs> it is out from now. Uh, we'd love you to read it. We'd love your feedback. We'd love your engagement. We will be adding more stuff to the website in due course. 
Um, this has been an unusual kind of sales episode. It's not what we do, but we 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 are so thankful for people who have facilitated and allowed us to write this book. We actually believe it is something really important. And so in this moment, we are going to do that. Then normal service will resume shortly. And uh, But thanks for being on the journey with us. Take care, everyone.